I plan to go to law school after I graduated, but uh, looks like my folks won't have enough money to put me through college. Well, the world needs ditch diggers, too. Entrepreneurship, scaling business plans. Then I became the CEO man. Are you ready to be mentored by some of the best minds in entrepreneurship in the world? Then you're listening to the right podcast, Ditch Digger CEO. We're going to be interviewing CEOs and founders who'll be telling their amazing rags to riches stories. These entrepreneurs who dominate the industries they serve will be sharing the secrets to their success. We'll be talking to millionaires and billionaires. Many who started with nothing. You're going to be mentored with golden nuggets of shared experiences from my guest, whose time is worth thousands and even tens of thousands of dollars per hour. I started in the paving business right out of high school. And with no college education, mentorship has been my education of choice. I started over 25 companies in the last 20 years, have generated over $1.5 billion in revenues. My guarantee is this. If you listen to Ditch Digger CEO and you want to be more successful, you will become more successful. The secrets of my success and for many of the world's greatest business leaders will be revealed. Let Ditch Digger CEO mentor you. Welcome today to Ditch Digger CEO. Mike Berlin is our guest. Did I say that right? Yeah. How are you doing? We're doing awesome. And it's uh, we're ex- excited to have you. I've, I've uh, dug into you just a little bit and realized what an all-star you are and how fun it is. We've got some things in common. And so we're going to have a lot great conversation today, Mike. Uh, I got, I've got uh, Chris, my producer, who's going to fire questions at you also. Cool. Our goal our goal is to peel back the onion of Mike Berlin and figure out, hey, what makes this guy tick? What what uh, Where does mindset come from? Is entrepreneurial mindset in the beginning come from? Where is this, uh, this, this world of business, politics, writing, all these things come together? So mm. that's our goal. I love it. You know, I grew up in Chicago. Did you? I did. Uh, you, it's what? How long? Did you, how long were you here till? I was. Uh, I left in '86, so I lived always uh, in the city. Uh, I grew up on Lakeshore Drive, right, uh, 1300 North, uh, and went to Latin school. So I stayed wow. sort of in the. So I got deep roots in Chicago. Diehard Bear fan. Uh, All right. No matter how much they disappoint us, I'm always there for them. <laughs> well, whenever whenever you want to come to Bears game, we we uh, we put on a great tailgate, one of the best in the in the uh, in Soldier Field, and oh, we yeah. uh, we have a blast. I haven't been there this year. What, what <laughs> we had no games. I know. It's horrible. terrible. Oh my god. It's terrible. I'm, and I'm we with had you. an okay. Okay team, you know, but uh, never could break out of, uh, you know, the, the average type of thing. <clears throat> but, uh, yeah, when you come next year, we'll, we'll have games. We'll have some great tailgates, and you can come out and, and hang with us. I've got uh, – I mean, you have anything from, from 50 to 150 people show up to our tailgate, and we have a, we have uh, a great chef. We have a great chef that cooks uh, every single time lobster and steak yeah, and then a lot of other good. things, depending on who we're play, playing, right, does it kind of culturally for the team we're playing against, right? Yeah. And so we have a blast and we have a lot of great networking. So you'll meet, you would meet a lot of, a lot of people that you would get a kick out of and some you may even know. Nine o'clock, 10 o'clock. I'll be in the, I'll be in the parking lot with you. We started eight, dude, get there earlier. We started, <laughs> started eight. So you get a good four hours in. Start with breakfast, but, oh, but we have a blast. So we'd love to have you. Yeah. Right, so, so, so Chicago native, uh, Moody yeah. let's, let's hear about Mike. Uh, you know, you're kind of, uh, what do you do today? You know, what do you do today that, uh, that drives you? What do you have fun with? 
um, on the entrepreneurial side, on the political side, on the writing side? What, what, what's your what's your excitement today that, that you look for, forward to tomorrow? Well, I've been a serial entrepreneur for the past, I don't know, 30 years. So I'm on my third company. And this company is different because this is one that I'm the only owner. I'm the, I'm the boss. And uh, I started off my career uh, working. I joined a political consulting company right out of, right out of Chicago, went straight to New York and never came back. I then joined the world's largest public relations company called Edelman, another Chicago-based company and created Edelman Berlin. And then I went and started this company, which is called Decode M, where we decode data into momentum for companies. And what I love about the third company is I learned all my lessons of what I liked, what I didn't like, and the first two, and now I'm doing it my way. And I got to tell you, this is the best way. <laughs> awesome. How, how, how fun is that? <clears throat> to use the wisdom you've gained, right? Yeah. To build the ultimate business that you know is going to work, number one, and you know you're yes. going to be so passionate about, right? And, uh, and uh, business that I know will work, solving client and, uh, needs that I know that they have, and hiring the people that I want to work with. Every, everybody from the uh, from bottom to top is somebody that I have a personal relationship that I would enjoy hanging out with and, and look forward to working with them every day. And that that is magical. So you want to know that your your customer, the people you work with, you can you can you have a blast out skiing on those those old uh, nineteen twenty skis behind you. You'd have a blast exactly. doing that. You'd have a blast uh, golfing with them. Would I right? I mean that's that's the that's the fun of business, right? When you when you can establish relationships of trust and love, where you know, man, your customers are you know care about you as much as you care about them, right? Yeah, but that's a that's a value I learned. You know, we're both YPOs. And, uh, and that's something I learned in, in YPO, just how to create that special bond with your peers, that you're, you're not trying to sell them, you're not trying to ask for something, you're just trying to uh, get along with them and, and, and they become your inner circle. And I created that at my company where we can have an environment where, sure, I'm the boss, but there's 20 years in between me and the next uh, uh, person in the, in the organization. And so I'm mentoring them, I'm friending them, I'm watching them go through life. And we're solving some of the most important challenges that our clients face. Oh, now who, who are your customers now, Mike? And, and uh, you know, how, how do they uh, progress from where you were, you know, 20 years ago to today? And in relationships, I know a big deal, but uh, what, what, who are your type of customers today that you serve the best? Uh, the clients that we serve the best are the ones who are ready to transform to get momentum. And so early in my career, I was all about politics. And I wanted to, I, I knew from the time I was at Latin that I didn't want to be a king, but I wanted to be a kingmaker. And what I mean by that is I ran for uh, student government twice and I lost. And I'm like, oh, this isn't very good. You can put all this effort in and you still lose the election. Um, uh, and so that's the, you know, if you become the king, you can get shot or you can lose. Yeah. But if you're a king maker, you can just move from king to king to king, giving your best advice. So I, I decided to go the consulting route. And initially, I mean, my clients have been Bill and Hillary Clinton, have been Mike Bloomberg. Like I've worked at a very high level getting people uh, elected. And you understand it's how, what is the right message? What are the right issues? How do you gain momentum right into election day? That's what politics yeah. are all about. So I took those lessons from the campaign trail and then applied it to businesses. 
and I, I'm going to date myself, but I was working um, early on in Coke versus Pepsi, uh, Domino's um, versus Papa John's, AT&T versus MCI, BlackBerry uh, versus iPhone. Like I've been in all those battles uh, helping take the lessons from the campaign trail, applying it uh, to business. And then I took it to the higher level and just started working directly for those companies who were disrupting the marketplace and wanted to change the world. So my clients now are uh, Airbnb, you know, disrupting travel, Lyft, just disrupting um, uh, how we how we get around. And unfortunately, one of my clients was WeWork, which was a wonderful company, but had a sort of uh, less than reputable CEO. <laughs> I didn't know. Yeah, yeah. Um, boy, those are fun, fun uh, business to be around though. You know, you're, you know, they're not always going to be, uh, you know, uh, the, the ultimate success stories, right? You, you've got a lot of things around that, but boy, to be around mer emerging industries like you've been and, and, uh, big political careers, uh, you know, there's so much, so much wisdom for you, for you to gain over, over the years that you could be laying on these young, these young people around you, right. Uh, you know, basically sharing your experiences with them so they could be way more valuable than they'd be otherwise. That's, that's awesome. And politics teaches you how to lose. Like it's, um, it, it, you know, it teaches you how to win, but it, you lose many more elections uh, than you win. And so you learn how to move on, take the lessons that you learned from a particular um, election, what went right, what went wrong, and you move on to the next uh, thing. That's what I, I loved about politics is that you can't be a one-man show. You have to be able to operate within a team environment or the candidate loses. Yeah. And so those those lessons were in, invaluable, even though I ultimately decided that I didn't want to stay a political consultant because, I mean, politics is a is a very tough business. Yeah, it is. It's a tough business. And maybe many people are telling me it's a dirty game and be ready to, you know, be ready for a lot of crazy stuff. Yeah, but it's you know what? It's a dirty game for people who don't want to get dirty. Like every game, every business is hard. Every business you've got to, you know, get in there. It's it, in, in politics, it's all in. And if you're even uh, a little bit not committed, the voters will sniff you out and they'll reject you. And it, yeah. you've got to feel it inside that you're going to do this no matter what. And if you if you're compelled in that way, Voters will get behind you. And if they see any indecision or question your motives, you're done. Absolutely. And you know, I, I said before we started this, right, that I am I am determined to run for governor in Illinois now. I'm yeah. going to be announcing in about three weeks. So about the time this comes out, probably. And uh, and again, I, I'm not I've never been in politics except for supporting. I've, I've kind of helped the kingmakers and all that by you know, getting people, getting good candidates out in front of people to get them elected. And I've, I had a fun, I've been a co-chair for a few bigger, you know, fairly good sized campaigns and, you know, county sheriff and a state, state's attorney, things like that. And I've had a lot of fun doing it because if I find great people that I believe in, I have a, a lot of fun just, just being there with them, supporting them and, and getting them out in front of my friends and networks to help create some success for them, right? And some votes. And so again, I, I, it's been a blast to do that. I've never envisioned myself being in the ring kind of, right? But, but I, I feel like, uh, you know, there's a, kind of a calling right now. I'm, I'm in a position in my life where I can do it. I'm in a, in a state where I believe needs some common sense. We need, oh some, we, need, we need jobs and we need to fight taxes and we need to create jobs, right? And that's, those are things I know pretty much about by being in the business world and, 
you know, uh, being in Illinois for my whole life. Right. You, you, you got the heck out of here, dude. I, I, I stayed around. So I've learned a lot about this state and how it's changed. I, I, I love Chicago and I love Illinois. And I, I, I'm also sad at just how the economics have gone south, how the crime is up and how the how such a wonderful state has gone off on the wrong track. I mean, they need some leadership to get, it, it was always, Chicago, when I was growing up, was a sort of no bullshit city and in Illinois, straight shooters who did the right thing. And somehow you, it just went off in the wrong direction. And I don't, I don't know where or when it happened. Um, like I was, my, I'll date myself. I was Jane Byrne, Michael Blandick, Harold Washington. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. that was that was that was me <laughs> growing up. Um, and it just somehow between Rom and and Mayor Lightfoot, something seems to have just gone awry. And I mean, you're going you're going for for statewide, but um, but this but city itself just sort of mortgaged his future. The city's got to thrive in order for the the state to survive. Okay. Right. I mean, city. That city is a great, a world class city. And right now, you can go there now, Mike. If you haven't been there, it's not right now, right? It's it's. I we're, we're in tough shape. I have a place down there, and I and I, so I'm down there once in a while, right? And uh, and I've got business in the in the city and friends all over the city, so I'm down there once in a while. I was down there, you know, every every other day, right? Now I'm now I'm now I'm down there once or twice, once a week, maybe maybe twice a week. But either way, it's a different place right now, and it's not yeah. a place where. Most people want to be. I mean, I don't care what level income level you are right now. If you live in Chicago, you want to get out, and that's sad, really sad, right? And 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 when you look at you know look at the urban environment, man, it, I, I, it's it's terribly terribly beat up right now. And uh, you know, how do we revive it all? So the urban environment is a great urban environment, and 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 the you know the the, the working class love it there, and uh, you know everybody loves it. It's, it's how it should be. It's a beautiful place, right? So I, I, don't, yeah. I believe it can be. It can be recaptured, in my opinion. I don't want to veer too much off, but I don't know what's up with CPS. Like I, like I follow it, and I think that's just so sad. I, I, I wonder what this teachers' union is doing to our kids. I, and and I'm, I'm not taking a stance on union, not union. It's just kids need to go to school. Like kids need to get an education. They're, they've been on and off strike for so many years. It's terrible, and, and, and you know, I'm the same way. I'm, a, I, have, I have union companies, Chicagoland right. union companies. I came from labor, right? I'm, I'm not a union basher or, I'm, you know, either way, whatever works for the environment you serve, if you can, whatever serves your environment, the best is, is my opinion, the right move there. Right. But boy, it, we're, when, when, when the teachers are saying they will not come back and, and the mayor is saying, please come back. Right. Uh, that's a sad, she's, sad she's, deal. She, I think Rom and, and, and Mayor Lightfoot have both been fighting with them to educate our, 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 our children. Yeah, and you shouldn't have to fight. You shouldn't have to fight. That, that you you know that these teachers, most of them, are very passionate about ser- serving and teaching kids, right? For sure, in my opinion. I, I I know you know a few family members and, and friends of mine. They're great people that really want to serve these kids, but yet the unions are telling them no, don't go back. And yeah. and those that are going back, the ten or fifteen percent that are that are going back, I guess, are just getting crazy, crazy. Uh, uh, resistance, right? So either way, that that's a sad thing. So either way, there's a lot of work to be done in Illinois and Chicago, and uh, I'll be I'm gonna be calling on you to get some uh, some strategy out of you, man. Because you'll uh, now now that we're gonna be buddies, I'm gonna call you. Hey, Mike, what do you think of this? Hey, Mike, what do you think of that? I you am, might say, I, Hey, Gary, I might have to start billing you now. This is the seventh call in a day. Yeah, there's there's there, there's no bill for someone doing the right thing. Well, hold on, there is a bill for someone doing the right thing, but raise some money first, then we'll send you a bill. Yeah, there you go. There you go. 
Sounds good. Well, yes. Yeah, so either way, you know, business and politics. I, you know, I do think there's a lot of similarities. I know that you know the negotiating is different. I know that you know that the uh, you know, there, there's you know, policy and po- politics is different than business, right? But boy, we right. have to have policy we, we and, and regulations we we adhere to in business. Um, you know, I, I think there's a lot of similarities. People say there's a lot different, but where, where do you find on the on the marketing side for you and the you know political side, then going to business? Where do you find similarities? Where do you find big differences? Um, well, the biggest uh, difference is in politics, you only have to get elected once every two or four years. Yep. In business, you've got to show up every day and, and, you, can, and you, can lose, you can lose your job. There's no terms in business. Like, like you can even have a contract and they can say you're out. So, um, so in the, the election day is every day in business, whether it's in um, helping your clients with their growth strategies, dealing with a crisis, helping them uh, institute uh, their programs. In politics, you have more time, you can take a longer term view, and ultimately you need to get your momentum back by the time that there's uh, election day. Like when I worked for Mike Bloomberg, his first two years were so rocky, he instituted uh, a ban of smoking in public places, uh, which the bar owners and the restaurants went absolutely crazy. He uh, raised taxes, two very unpopular decisions, but we knew that he had four years. We knew that he could recover, and those were the right decisions. And so one of the things you learn is in politics, you have you, you can um, you can do the right things and you have time to let the, to let people realize in business you've got to you can make that same right decision but you've got to sell it in right away and you can and your results will be judged in the first 30 days and certainly if you're yes. a public company every quarter you're getting evaluated so that's a very right. different mentality sure so yeah so like you're saying you you, you know the decision, decision you make in in, in in the business decisions market you're getting judged fast and and, and you can be fired anytime. Yeah. Um, but, but the long-term relationships are rewarding as heck compared to politics where, Hey, you might have the best relationship in the world, but if that person loses, they, they might be onto something else. Or if they win, they, you know, they, they, they may find somebody else. Either way, it's, it's, you know, shorter term relationships on the politics side is, is probably the disadvantage, right? Well, the other, um, the other thing that you'll find interesting in business, the power is in yes. The power is in getting that deal done, closing it, moving forward. And so like, if you can get, you get something done by saying yes. In politics, all the power is in no. I'm not gonna support your measure. I'm not gonna get behind you. You're not gonna get this done. Like one of the things that I found so interesting during the last four years in Trump is just how often um, the Democrats were saying no. And, and that's where all their power came from. So now they're now they control the uh, House. They've got a virtual tie in the Senate. They control the White House. Now they've got to switch from no to yes. And now the Republicans are in no. And so that yeah. it's a very different mindset. So as you think about office, think about the power in no versus what you're used to, which is in the power in yes. True. True. And then, you know, and how do you, you know, in business, we have to often, you know, we also often have conflict, whether it's, whether it's teammates that aren't happy, whether it's customers not happy, whatever you have these conflicts that you have to get through. But I feel like the, the common cause of, of serving the customer first and best is an easy one, right? I mean, because we can get through a lot of things with that. 
I feel like in, in politics, that's not often the, the case. Often it's, a, it's an agenda instead of serving the customer, the taxpayer. And, and it bugs the heck out of me that, that I see that so much, right? Where I just don't understand it, where in politics, I don't care, right, left, whatever it is, let's, let's figure out the solution that serves the taxpayer best. That should be the answer, right? Right. But I think that, you know, because, because of career politics, right, I think it's, it's changed a lot. And so for me, I, you know, I don't know what I call it. I'm, I'm calling it, you know, citizen warriors or, you know, you can call it statesmen or stateswomen. I, I don't know what you call it, but, you know, I, I want to, I want to be a person that, that helps build, uh, you know, uh, politics of servant minded people that are there for the citizens and not themselves. And so when you have, un, you know, when you have an unsustainable uh, system, whatever it is, in our case, it's our pension system, totally unsustainable at $420 billion now of total debt. Um, you know, 30% of our income is going to, and we're not even paying our interest, all of our interest, and we're paying zero principal, right? We're paying half the interest, no principal, and it's 28% to be exact of our income. So when you look at that, you say, that's, that, that, there's no way that's sustainable. We can't serve our citizens of Illinois if you have an unsustainable product like that, right? right. So people that run and win, shouldn't be part of that pension. I mean, they should say, I, I'm here to serve. So of course I can't take this pension along with the, 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 every, everybody else. It's unsustainable. We have to restructure this in order for our state to survive, right? So again, I, th- I look at those type of things. I say, if, if we had people that ran that said, hey, I'm like the old days, I'm gonna do my terms, my couple terms and I'm out. Then I'm, then I'm going back to work, going back to my family, whatever going back to it is, right? Um, if, we could, if we had more of that, I just think we have a better shot at serving our citizens better. Well, I, I think, um, look, as you, as you think about your issues and think about how you're going to rally support, um, getting people to get behind your agenda to see um, the, uh, you know, in business, we're used to outcome-based work. So ha- have them um, have confidence in the outcome and, and then here's how we get there. And, and that's what um, a campaign is about is, do you have confidence in me to deliver this outcome? And, and, and whatever it is. And I learned that um, I learned that really in politics and then applying it to business where um, business sure. leaders, I'll give you the flip side of business. So you can get fired every day, but if you miss your numbers in Q1, business leaders always think they can make it up in Q2 or Q3 or Q4. And then all of a sudden you can have like two years of bad performance and, and, and you still might be in your job. That doesn't work in, um, in politics. Uh, you, you know, you hear about kicking the can and this is what you're dealing with. You can kick the can, but ultimately someone's going to have to deal with it. And that's yeah. kind of what you're doing now is like politicians, you want to keep kicking the can. Eventually you're going to have um, a really massive problem. And that's what you're talking about now. People just kick the can. It's not my problem. Next administration will take care of it. And now you're stuck with your sure. problems. Yeah. And, and again, uh, but I, I look at, again, I look at business first and foremost, if we don't serve our customer, we have no business. If our customers exactly. aren't, aren't loving what we give them or we serve them with, we're just not going to have any business in the future. Right. Or yeah. if we kick the can budget wise. And again, we just reviewed all our budgets in my company like, with my teammates. Right. And, uh, and I challenge all these budgets because we, you know, bottom yeah. line is we, we need to create enterprise value in every business. We need to make sure that we're serving a customer at the highest, the highest level possible. Right. But if we, if we, if we, if we lose money year after year after year, and we don't, we don't, we don't do a budget in Illinois, they haven't had a balanced budget for like 20 years. Okay. Right. So you, we, if I didn't have a budget in my businesses, we would be a runaway train, right? You'd be bankrupt. So, I mean, you'd, you'd, be bankrupt. I mean you'd, be, but, you'd be bankrupt and banks would be chasing you. 
Exactly. So again, that, that's the difference. Like you get away with it in politics somehow, uh, but boy, if they, if they could, if you could, and I know it's not, it's not that simple, but boy, if you can operate any community, any city, any state, any government, right? Like you have to, to operate a business, the pension would not be 420 billion on a $42 billion a year budget and taking up 30% at without paying inter, half the interest and no, no principal. If you operate like a business could happen, the bank would say, no, that does not work. Sorry, you need to to change that budget, right? So, yeah. Well, didn't didn't Rom Rom sold the Skyway, right? He's, I mean, you know what? uh, Rom and Daly (laughs) Daly sold some stuff down there that wasn't very sustainable on the sale. They they spent all the money. They sold sold. You know, I I mean, Daly sold the parking meters and something else and Rom sold something. But, you know, the the bottom line is when they sold it, they didn't treat it like a business. They didn't treat it. I mean, it should have been treated like, hey, I'm going to sell. I'm going to if I sell this to you, I want recurring revenues for the the next you know, 100 years or for for good or 20 years. And then I own it again. Instead, they sold it and then and then took the money and spent it right away. So there's nothing there anyway. So, I mean, there's great. And that's called, you know, the the P3s is what I call those. Right. Uh, Public private partnerships. Yeah. If they're done right, they're awesome. I mean, because you take you take government uh, government out of maintaining and you leave it up to the 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 business. Right. Or the the whoever the industry, whoever the business is. Right. Whether it's a huge uh, construction company, a huge bridge company or whoever it is. Right. You put it on their backs to, to maintain it efficiently and you get you get recurring revenues. If it's the right revenues, right. It's a great deal. And Indiana, there's some States that have done a really good job with that. Indiana, Mitch Daniels back in the day did some good stuff with that. I know there's yeah. other, other people across the world that have done great P threes that end up costing them very little in the long run. They make they make a ton of money because they got somebody very frugal on the management end of it instead of themselves. Right. Yeah, no, that's so, all um, you're right. It, it, and, that, and those are the, and those are the lessons as we work to help our companies get momentum, we look at what you know. What are the momentum drivers? And we and we we have a lens, kind of like that, looking at um, uh, we we call them the five drivers of momentum. So we have disruption, innovation, polarization, uh, 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 sticky issues, and social impact. And we look at all the initiatives or all the where the brands are at. And if you're not pulling one of those levers, you're not going to have momentum. And it's um and, and it works in business. Wait, wait, wait. okay. So you gotta say say that, say that slower for me, Mike. Disruption, innovation, uh, polarization, uh, sticky issues, uh, and and then social impact. Sticky issues. Sticky issues, and you, okay. look, you, you're not going to win your campaign if you don't have a sticky issue. You have to have something that is memorable that is associated with you, that um, is on the top of, is top of mind, uh, that people can identify. And that's, it's really important. It's, um, I just wrote a, um, uh, every week we do a, a newsletter called the Up and Down. And I just wrote an Up and Down on the, how moonshots are now, uh, have the most momentum. Because a moonshot, it used to be a, a, a moonshot was way off and maybe you were going to get there or not. Now moonshots are long-term visions that are uh, attainable, but they're, but they're far out. There's, incrementalism is gone. Like if you're, you're going to be an incrementalist and just do things step by step, you will get fired. You will lose your job. You will get voted out of office. You've now got to have a moonshot. Give Absolutely. Confidence that you can get there and give them proof along the way. 
Yep. Do you, do you, are you part of Abundance 360? No. Okay, so Abundance 360 is a technology, uh, one of the technology leaders out of Silicon Valley that, that runs Abundance 360, 360 CEOs. And, we, and that's, I've, I've been involved in that a little bit over the last few years, but Moonshot is something we talk about always, right? Because you're exactly right. I mean, you got, you got to have a vision beyond what people think can be accomplished. And it's got to be a realistic vision, right? But boy, right. If, if you can get everybody to buy into that vision, and we you know, go back to Kennedy, right? With the moonshot, right? Uh, right. And, and his goal to be on the moon, right? But it, but it doesn't, cool. here's, this is what I love about moonshots is um, in, in, the, in the day, a moonshot seemed like such a big deal. Now, like getting to the moon, you're like, eh, they're sending tourists to the moon. You're there's yeah. you know, like that's not a big deal. Like, let's you know, Elon Musk wants to go to Mars. Do any of us think he's not going to get there? No. Is he going to get there next year? Five years? Who gives a shit? He's got a vision. He's going yeah. there. I'm on board. And as long as he gives me proof along the way that he's going to get there, but it can happen in, in in all of our businesses as a CEO. Give them, give your give your team a moonshot, give them the confidence they can do it and they will, and they will get there. And, um, and I think that's uh, very different right now in the, in the post COVID mindset. Uh, we now have, we through this introspection, through this uh, period of where we really, our freedom has been limited so much because we've had to quarantine. We now want to think big because it's the light at the end of the tunnel. It's what gives us hope. It's what inspires us. So this is your moonshot is exactly the right idea for the state. Uh, my moonshot to, to know that everything in the world is knowable. You just have to know where to look with my companies. That that is what um, that's what works. And that's what's going to um, get us to the future. Sure. I love it. I love it. So disruption, that's something we believe in. Innovation, we believe in. I tell, you know, tell me what your, your opinions of those two things are. And I want to go to polarization, which I don't, you know, I haven't heard very often. But so go, um, go well, disruption. And I mean, d disruption is just, you, you know, turning things upside down, uh, qu mm -hmm. questioning the status quo. Look, I know you're a disruptor. I don't even, I've only met you on this podcast and I know like you don't accept anything for the way it is. You, you, you know, you, you view things of how they should be. So that's, that's your natural disruptor. Innov innovator is, um, is, is really uh, making things better. Some things you don't need to disrupt. You just need to make them uh, a little bit better, new and improved, but create some FOMO, fear of missing out. You have to be a part of it. Polarization is actually the most important one that um, before, let's say 10 years ago, people were really scared of polarization because they wanted to be all things to everybody. They didn't want to have people on one side or another. Now, uh, polarization really gives you the, the power because you have a point of view. You, you need to know um, you're with me or you're not with me and that's okay because consumers want to buy into something that uh, that is not for everyone, but is really for them. Same with voters. It's okay to polarize. You're either for me and you can identify with me or you're not. So polarization point of view is more important than ever. And we shouldn't be scared of it. I like that. Yeah, I mean, it, it basically, you know, and I, and, you know, I've learned this over the years, you know, we, we talk about differentiation or die is my, my thing that I always yeah. say, and, you know, we, we always want to disrupt and differentiate and that takes innovation usually. Right. Yeah. Um, I mean, but, uh, you know, when you look at polarization, I like it, you know, very often we try to,
to serve too many customers in a, in a space. And often they're not all a fit, right? But if we can focus on the ones that are definitely a fit, right? They're, they're, that understand why we, we bring value, a great value proposition. Those are the ones we want to deal with. Some customers will never care to understand your value proposition because they want to, they want to, um, you know, they, they, they commoditize you. Their goal is to always commoditize you to get the cheapest, cheapest, cheapest. But boy, when you're delivering value that that's, you know, 20, 30% above the competition, it's hard to be cheapest, right? So yeah. again, I, I love the polarization thing. And that, you know, sticky issues, I like that. And, you know, talk about that, but I, I love that one too. Well, you know, I, I, I now think I'm going to have to start charging your consulting fee because I'm another, <laughs> here's, here's, here's another lesson that a businessman needs to know. In, um, in business, some uh, uh, consumers and some customers are worth more than others, right? You know, if they're, if they're, a, they can be a two X or a five X in politics, everybody's one. And that's a really hard concept for business people to understand is that each, each vote is equal. And that's why you have to work so hard to get each vote, which is why you have to polarize. You have to, you, because you can't go one by one to get to however many millions of votes you're going to need to win. So you, you need people to self-identify, whereas in business, we can sell them. In, in politics, we need to have that sticky issue, that memorable idea that gets people to identify that, they're, um, uh, that, they're, that they, that they want to vote for you and they'll support you. And that's how they go together. And it's, it's a very hard concept for business leaders who run in politics. First, um, to understand the power of no versus yes. That's a very hard concept. Second is that all, all voters are equal and, and you have to work just as hard for each and every uh, one. And so it makes the, the messaging and the power of your campaign so much more important. Absolutely. And then, you know, social impact, you know, I love it. I mean, you know, we have a foundation and in our foundation, uh, builds a great company has some type of social social impact that they make and, and they allow their teammates to be part of because you in my opinion you do that you build a culture that's you know just just uh, so strong compared to otherwise and I, I mean what tell me what you found with that well um social impact I, I think, um, and we've seen it with ESG investing, it's now, it's cost of entry. You you have to have uh, uh, some impact on the larger good and it has to be baked into your business in a very authentic way. It's no longer, um, it, it's no longer with public affairs. It's no longer even uh, philanthropy. It's a way of doing business and, and making the environment that you operate in, the society that you work in, having some impact and and uh, and something and doing good is absolutely required to because if 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 you don't people are questioning why am i here what is what is the point it has to go along with the mission of that company you know it has to create um having absolutely. that connection sort of heightens and amplifies uh the, the business and the brand and the product and what have you and absolutely you, i you know we've we've uh yeah. Say it again. I say it will be important to your campaign. Like that's like like you. Even if you're all about fiscal responsibility, the social impact component will be a strong differentiator of how will this outcome make our society better. Yeah, I know, and, and I, you know, I've, I, I just I look at communities right now. I'll tell you, Mike. I look at you know from from our lowest labor cost teammates to our highest labor cost our executives, right? 
um, our communities are being busted apart right now because, you know, when a kid gets to be 17, 18 years old, they're looking at good colleges and people are talking to their kids about, boy, whatever you do, you don't want to come back to Illinois to build your future, right? Yeah. Go off somewhere else. I mean, that's the conversation more than not, right? And yeah. it just makes me sick to, 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 that's the conversation. I don't care what income level you are. Or the other example, Mike, is in my business, you know, we're growing in other parts of the country. And, and so we've got a, a Dallas office and, and, and a yard there where we're also in Maryland. And, 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 uh, and so bottom line is, we have, we, if it was 15 years ago, we would struggle to get any of our teammates out of Illinois to move there for the same money, okay? Now, 80% uh, of them raise their hands. Uh, if, if they don't have anything to hold them back, they wanna be other, somewhere else other than Illinois, which is, it's make, again, it makes me sick. That shouldn't be the case. Um, so again, uh, you know, so I look at social, when I look at social impact in this run, if, if we can stop the bleeding and, and make Illinois a great place to build, to build, to have, to, to build your, your career, right. To, to raise your family, it, we, we would win. A, it'd be a huge win. Right. And, I, and, and 15 years ago, that's who we were. Third, 14 years ago, 13, 14 years ago, 2007, we were the place in the middle of the country that you'd want to be if you're going to be in business. Right. Or if you're going to start a job or a career. Yeah. No, I, I look, um, the, 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 the change that you're talking about, it's, uh, you, you're talking about the city that works. You're talking about just a, a straight shooting state with a wonderful uh, a public education. Like uh, Champaign is a top school, all the the whole system. So it's 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 making bringing that greatness back and giving purpose. Um, I couldn't agree with you more. And and again, well, the other thing I learned in business, Mike, you can talk about it. so similarities, marketing and business, marketing and positive. So similarities, I see this. When I see friends of mine that are running on both sides of the fence, right? Those that are aspirational for 70, 80% of the message way, do way better than some of my friends that are negative because they're smart. They're smart people very often understanding all the problems. So it's hard for them not to go to the problems, the policy problems, the, you know, right. the, the job problems, the problems first, right? And those people don't fare very well. People, I think they shut people off. Just like in business, you and I, if we're going to sell our vision, it better be pretty positive, right? If to, to get people to buy into it. Uh, our, our, our teammates, our, our, our vendors, our customers, right? If it's negative, starts out negative, that's not a good thing, right? And in Moon politics, shot. it just seems like, because we have so many challenges. Yeah. Am, I, am I right in this, that it's kind yeah. of the same thing there? I think it was very similar there, right? Yeah, go for it. That's, that's why the moonshot works. The moonshot in yeah. politics works is, um, what is the, what is your vision? What will it be like in business? Uh, if, I, if I buy your product or service, uh, how are you going to help me attain my goal? In politics, it's the same thing. Um, uh, a negative campaign, like uh, the, the, that, not negative, like you're attacking, but a negative campaign that everything stinks, you won't win. Um, uh, Americans are an, opportun uh, are an uh, um, optimistic group. We, we, uh, we yes. very rarely talk about the past. We always talk about the future. We prefer sunny days, and uh, we believe that you can get in your car and drive as far west as you want, you know, and that yeah. nobody should be able to stop you. And so you, you can't lose that optimism. Right. Um, it's the same optimism that we uh, used to have for the Cubs, you know, like, yeah. you know, like you just, you have to, you take what you get, but you, and so uh, it's, it's, but it's the same in politics. You've got to, you can say there's problems. You have to talk about the solutions. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm a Sox fan, so we have you know, similar uh, issues either way on both sides of town, yeah. right? 
Uh, I one time got chased out of Jerry Reinsdorf's office with a baseball bat. He was, um, remember when the Sox were just, we were like two years away from winning their first World Series and they had all those young kids who like, it was a shit show, but they, but they were, but it was coming together. And um, yeah, 2003. uh, Yeah. Okay. And, and uh, Pippen, I think they were, and then the Bulls were, uh, I think deciding to let Pippen go. And I was I was doing a project because Reinsdorf wanted to, to market the White Sox and the Bulls together to say, if you like what I did with the Bulls, uh, you're going to love what I'm going to do with the White Sox. And I said to Mr. Reinsdorf, I don't think you understand Chicago fans. We think with our heart, not with our, our heads. And he took a baseball bat out to get a, 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 a trash can full of baseball bats. And he took a baseball bat and said, you think I don't understand Chicago fans? Who the hell do you think you are? And he chased me out of his office in Comiskey Park. <laughs> Come I was, on! I, like, I swear, this is a tr- I couldn't make this shit up. I was laughing so hard because, like, I was just being straight with him that he was trying to make a rational argument to Chicago sports fans who, like, That's winning funny. is not the most important thing. Like, trying hard, having fun. Like, winning was always sort of like... Like the Bulls Secondary. spoiled us, but it was never our, our top priority. Like in New yeah. York, if you don't win, they throw you out. That's funny. Well, you know, I, I, I've met him a couple of times and, and friends of his son, and boy, they're they are funny. They're, they're characters in real characters. life. I mean, they're funny guys. I mean, they're just great big person. You know, they're they're very. Um, uh, you know, they don't, they're not in front of the public very much and they don't, they're, they're not out there right in, in, uh, in front of the camera much, but boy, they're, they, in my opinion, they should be because they're funny. They're, they're, they're funny and very compassionate, loving type of people. But I could see him like, you know, just oh, getting, man, wait a minute, right? Just having, park, having fun with like, it. Was he like parking garages? Like he was a tough, before he was, the, the, he's been an owner for a long time, but he was like parking garages before, right? But how'd they make their money? Yeah. Yeah, real estate, I think, insurance, a bunch of different things. He's, yeah. he's yeah, he's been involved in a bunch of entrepreneurial endeavors before that. And and that wasn't that wasn't looked upon as a very good deal that he brought all his friends in when he bought when he bought the, these teams, right? I think oh first God. one was the Bulls was the first, I think. And either way, I mean, both these teams were not pretty when he when he came in, right? When I mean there was there was no there's no profits in the Bulls when he came on board. And and the and, Sox didn't look any better. And correct me if I'm wrong, the the um, the the Reinsdorf's he was just never loved. Somehow the Cubs could lose forever, and everybody loved them and loved the owners. And then and the White Sox, you know, like just never got a break. And he was always the Bulls could win five championships, and they still didn't love the the the, the general manager, and they didn't love Jerry Reinsdorf. Hey, wait a minute, dude. I loved them all. So who are you talking about? <laughs> I, I'm, okay, my sisters, I had four older sisters. They're all Cub fans, right? And they got the, yeah. they got the big color TV, which is 19 inches of TV and about 50 inches of, uh, of uh, compartment around it, right? And I, I was stuck in my dad's bedroom in, with, a, with a, like a 10-inch black and white TV. And I, and I saw my sisters watching that, you know, the cute, the team with the cute little bear on the, you know, Cub right. on the, on the, uh, on the arm and you know you know pretty blue and all that and i was watching black and white with the team that was black and white and they to me those were the hard asses those are the tough guys not the sissy team my sisters like so much right so again that was how i looked at it back then and it's, it's still the same way i still look at ah, come you want to go for a party we'll go to wrigley field and we'll, we'll hang out there you want to go for a real game and the great game experience we'll go to the south side and uh, I everybody at, i was at disco demolition night with steve Dahl. Oh. 
Yeah. I've got my credentials. I am, you know, winning ugly. I was like, I remember the, the years of the Sox. Like, from, yeah, I remember all those years. So yeah, it's fun stuff. <laughs> yeah. Hey, so I want to get into a couple of things, Mike. I want to get into what, what gave your entrepreneurial mindset? Tell me about your upbringing in Chicago and your family and all that. What, who is, who is, did you have somebody you look, aspired to be like when you, you know, when you became uh, this, this entrepreneurial minded person that wanted to be a, I had a prolific uncle who was the who was the family patriarch who had a real estate business on the south side of Chicago that moved to the north side of Chicago, and I would just watch him make deals. and um, And it's interesting, you know he he was buying mobile home parks, and like my family had like three or four mobile home parks when nobody wanted to touch mobile home parks. But he was doing a great service for those people who that was the type of uh, housing that they could afford and they needed. And he made beautiful mobile home parks um, uh, in, in Waukegan and one in Iowa, I think it's Cedar Rapids. And he inspired me by just how he could see a piece of land and understand how it could help so many people. And then he bought, uh, he was always looking for a deal. He was always driving around, trying to find something. And that entrepreneurial mindset Really, I wanted to be him. I wanted to be just like him as a young kid. Now, I knew I was interested in politics, so I was like, real estate was too boring for me, and and I knew that I wanted to get into high-profile action. So I knew early on that it was going to be entrepreneur politics, but not not running for office, but but actually the business of politics, which was yeah. just to take off as a huge business. So I became a pollster, and. Um, in a campaign, the pollster is one of the more important people because we have the data and we have the data on, on what you need to win. And that's where I started Absolutely. this idea of momentum because politics is all about getting momentum at the right moment on election day. Absolutely. And, and uh, so, so as a kid, your, your uh, uncle is an you know, inspiration to you. Um, and then, and then moving to New York, we're starting out as a young guy in New York. You know, what, what, what's, uh, you know, what, what, who was around you then that kind of fed your, fed your passion, fed that, that drive that, that, that continued. I, I joined a company uh, when I was 18. I, I moved from Chicago to New York. And if anybody who's done that, that's very traumatic because uh, Chicago is yeah. a wonderful city. It feels like a small town. And New York was this just, smelly hustle and bustle. I knew no one, um, but the business was there. And I had two, I was working for these two young guys who, um, uh, who were inspirational in the sense that they were the smartest, most creative, but the most dysfunctional people I had ever met. And I realized that I could, <laughs> I realized I was home. Like one, one of them was, um, uh, was was really great on computers and was of that age with like uh, uh, Bill Gates, uh, you know uh, Steve Wozniak building computers in their garages. Steve Jobs, one of the partners, was making this amazing computer system that we could analyze data. And another partner was a whiz bang knew everything about politics. Could remember the name of everybody who uh, uh, he had met. They both went to Harvard College, which if you grew up in Chicago. You don't even know where Harvard College was in those days, but you know when you get to New York, they start to tell you about it. Um, yeah. So the, the two of them had gone to um, uh, to Harvard, and every day I was inspired. And I was working sixteen to eighteen hours in 
college, like, because these guys were inspiring me so much. And, uh, and then they asked me to drop out of college. And I thought that doesn't sound like a good idea, no matter how interesting, I think I should get my degree. And as soon as I graduated, I went to work for them and we took a company of five people, which was a, a walk up on third Avenue, uh, over McDonald's. That's where I was working. We turned that into a business that, uh, in 2001, we sold to a holding company. And all of a sudden I was 33 years old and I had enough money that I would never have to think about money again. Awesome. How big was the company that you sold? You went from five employees to how many in 2001? 200. 200. Nice. And, and what the day we closed is the best day ever. 9-10-2001. Get out of here. I signed the papers on 9-10-2001. Oh, oh, man. That, if, I, if I it was two o'clock. Think about that. A day later, the deal would have happened. happened. Every clause would have been triggered and we would have had no deal. And I was Did working, the story gets better. So I'm a kid from Chicago who is, I'm traveling the world. I'm working for the president of the United States, like highest levels. On 9-10-2001, I'm working for Mike Bloomberg in his campaign. And he's, he's, he's going to win the primary day. It's, it, um, uh, 9-11 was primary day. He's going to win that, but he might not win the general. All of a sudden, this candidate um, who had a chance but wasn't certain, all of a sudden, the rationale for the campaign, I'm sitting in a room on 9-12 with the head of the campaign thinking, how are we going to rebuild New York? And I just thought this is the most powerful moment to, 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 to be there and how far I had come. Yeah, of course. Wow, that's something to think about what you were going through that at that point, right? You had that, you had that big win and, and the relief that it closed, right? Then you had 9-11 yeah. happen. And now you're in the middle of a campaign that, that totally is flipped upside down, right? 100%. And you're not even thinking about closing the deal. You're just thinking, uh, how am I going to keep my family safe? How are we going to get this city back on track? How are we, you know, what, what, what can we do? And you're, you're suddenly thinking about the whole city and not just yourself. Absolutely. Wow. You, that, that's uh, quite an experience. Um, did that, that business go on to do fine after 9-11? The business you sold? Yeah, we maxed out our uh, we maxed out our deal, so we got to the highest uh, payments that we could. Uh, and that business is still around, which is amazing. Uh, had our name on it, had our name on it until two years ago, where they finally took our names and turned it into our initials. But it, it, they kept it going 15 years after we left. So awesome! And I I took that. I went from that job. I uh, actually spent uh, a year as the head of communications for the National Hockey League, which is, oh. sorry, that was, uh, that, was the, oh, that was the year the Blackhawks uh, started to do well. Remember that game at Wrigley Field, the outdoor game against the, the Red Wings? Mm -hmm. That was my project. Yeah, at, at Northwestern? No, at, at Wrigley Field. It was Northwestern? The Red Wings versus the Cubs at, uh, at Wrigley in 2009. I remember that, Wrigley, yeah, yeah, yeah. So national yeah. communication, uh, yeah, what would you, you call yourself? I was the head of communications at the National Hockey League. That's cool. That was, and then, that, uh, was that, that was for fun or is that a great, you know, the experience you wanted to do to, to, for the rest of your career or what? 
No, um, I was in between jobs and uh, the commissioner of the National Hockey League had been a client and he, he could see that I was floundering a little bit and uh, a little bit lost. And he said, come in here and uh, you're going to work for me. And when the commissioner tells you that you're going to work for him, you don't, nobody questions the commissioner. You just do it. <laughs> so, um, so I took the job and I really got my, I got my MBA working at the NHL. Like that was Absolutely. how companies work. Um, I, you know, scheduled meetings and with the hockey league, it's actually very regimented. Like they're going to play the games. There's going to be, uh, the referees are going to show up. There's going to be a score. They're going to have the regular season. They're going to have the all-star game. They're going to have the playoffs. They're going to award the Stanley cup. And so there's like an election, like you can't wait. You can't tell Stanley Cup, no, we'll do it in the third quarter. It's going to be awarded yeah. on that date. And so you've got to keep everything moving forward. Right. That's really cool. All right. Then, so you did that for a couple of years? I did that for one season. Um, okay. uh, which, which in one season, it's like 10 years in, in, the, in the business world. <laughs> it, it moves, it's, it, you can't imagine how fast hockey moves. And, um, and it's kind of funny, like the, in the business, in the meetings of the hockey league, if you um, if you say something that's stupid or they don't, they really just check you against the wall. I mean, it was a it was a tough environment to work in because it's 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 a fearless group that is committed to the game of hockey. So it's, so it's uh, it ages you a little more than dog life then. Ten years oh, for yeah. one instead of seven. I, I can I can still remember every day I work. <laughs> that's wild. Um, I, 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 had a, I had a job one year. If I felt like that, I, I worked in the, when I was a young guy starting my business, I worked winters doing whatever I could. So I'd have to dip into my savings. So I had money for the spring startup, right. For my business. And I did UPS for a couple of seasons and uh, winter seasons. And that first season, I still remember it. Like you just said, I still remember the, the two and a half month period because, you know, it was such a nightmare to, to learn this job and I, I had nightmares of missing that package and having to drive back after my route's done, figuring out an extra package, I had to drive back, you know, 15 miles to deliver that package, and now it was late, right? I mean, so either way, um, I remember, you know, it's funny how you remember these things that put stress in your life, right? Like as yesterday. <laughs> I remember um, at, um, at Wrigley Field, like, so you've got to imagine, you grew up your whole life in Chicago, not you, but, but many of us, our whole yeah. life we grew up in Chicago, and all we want to do is get on the field at Wrigley Field or to get into the, um, underneath the, um, und underneath the uh, uh, stadium and into the dugout and the clubhouse and all this. And here I am, I can walk anywhere in Wrigley Field. And I was just pinching myself that I couldn't believe I was here. And yet I had a ton of work to do. Like there was the, all the media was there, all the players were there, all the fans were there. Yeah. And I was like, this is like the most surreal moment of my life and I'm working and I better, and if I screw up, like it's going to be a problem. <laughs> and so it was just incredible pressure. And yet it was my hometown. So I knew like a lot of the things that would have been harder if I would have had to do this um, in, a, in another city. I, I knew Chicago, like the back of my hand, I knew Wrigley Field. So I knew like all the- You couldn't mess this up, Mike. You could not mess this up. Don't mess yeah. it up, you're saying, right? The Hawks lost that game. But 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 it was the, it was the beginning. Um, that's like when Kane was a rookie and, um, yeah. and Sharp was playing. That was just, that was right before they started winning all the Cups. Wow, that's pretty, that was your, what, what year was that, 2000 what? 2009. Wow. 
That's that's uh, that's fun. And okay, so the next job that you you start the next business. What do you do next? I I joined um, Edelman Public Relations and created a research and analytics function called Edelman Berlin. And Edelman was another Chicago headquartered based company. They're the world's largest uh, public relations company in the world. And yet it was started uh, one block away from where I lived. So the so Richard Edelman and his father Dan lived on Astor Street in Gothi, and I lived on Lakeshore and go through. So again, this amazing Chicago connection. Uh, and I worked there for the next five years. And then, uh, did you become a partner there or no? I, I was, we were, we were partners. It was Edelman Burland and we created this, we carved off this research and analytics part and, and created uh, a $25 million business, uh, doing research and analytics in, um, they had 66 offices around the world and we were doing, uh, all the research for them. And, what was great about that job is it allowed me to understand how research was used by agencies in service of corporations. Nice. I like it. That's really cool. Okay. So let's just say, so when I, when I think of uh, research analytics, right, for the value of a businesses I, you know, we, we have would be, you know, like, can you, you know, find, find, understand our, our best customers, right? Are those, you know, when you, when you talked about the um, polarization, right? Understand those customers, polarize the customers that are the best fit for each business, right? And then, and then, and then research and evaluate who are those customers nationally that we can serve, right? Um, something like that could be a project. Yeah, absolutely. And what are the best ways to get them messages? What initiatives? Because you have to, in order for a customer to hire you, they've got to know something about you. They've got to think there's, even before they're going to consider your proposal, They've got to, they, they, you can't come out of nowhere. And so public relations was wonderful. Of how do you build awareness for the business, for the entrepreneur, for the service? And then why is this company right? And so um, understanding how people used research other than a politician, understanding the corporate sense gave me great perspective, but also, um, and we can wrap it up with this, also gave me the insight that I didn't want to work for anybody else. The rest of my life like I, I i had done that and it was now time to follow my own dream and my own path and not you know i had the two partners when i started i had the commissioner at the hockey league i uh had edelman when i was there and so now what if you could do anything you want and that's why i came up with this idea momentum had been on my mind of, you know uh, momentum was a very emotional word. i have momentum i've lost momentum and what I really wanted to do was decode data into momentum and quantify momentum. And I created something called M Factor, which is a, a quantification of cultural relevancy. And so I've now gone full circle from uh, understanding momentum in politics to now understanding momentum with brands, the momentum of culture, the momentum of influencers in this world that we live in. And, and that's how it's come full circle for me. So, you know, um, how can we sort of work sure. on getting in, you know, action-based uh, uh, action outcomes on the insights that we find in our data? So, okay, so, so when you, I mean, this was started how many years ago, Mike? Uh, we started in 2016 with, with just an idea of, 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 of decoding uh, uh, data into momentum. And then we wrote, uh, I wrote a book called Maximum Momentum, 
which I sort of laid out those momentum drivers that we talked about and uh, and then just sort of built a company of data scientists, market researchers, communication strategists, media experts, um, all aligned by the momentum mindset. I love it, I love it. I, I think I, when I think about, yeah. yeah, go ahead. I say you're three quarters in the momentum mindset. We, we're gonna, we, so, so that you can win, we'll get you all the way. <laughs> yeah, so you know, every one of our businesses, I think about, you know, what you're saying, and I'm trying to, I'm trying to look at, you know, value, what, you know, where, you know, when we've created momentum in our businesses by understanding different things that, you know, that, that make us better than our competition and how we expose that. Yeah. And the challenge is, you know, exposing that, right? I mean, it's great to, it's great. We've, you know, we've got some strong differentiators in our businesses, but our customers, our, our target customers across the country don't, don't often know it, right? Because we, we're not, we don't know how to do the best job of that. And so, you know, for, for my business in the future and businesses, I think that do a great job of this, um, in my opinion, they, they're, they're educators, right? They, they, you know, we, we have what we call Rabine University, where educate, put people on the things we do, pavements and roofs and pavement designs and concrete and asphalt, all the things we do. But you know what, we, we, are, we do a piss poor job actually of, of using it. It's, it's like customers want to come, hey, we want to come and check, check out the university. That's great, come on out, right? But we're not, we're not structuring a, a, a continued um, you know, regiment of, of education like we, we, we once were. When I first bought this building and remodeled, I'd use it for that on a monthly basis. And someday it was going to be every week. We went from every month to every quarter to a couple times a year, right? Yeah. Or when customers actually want to be want to want to be educated on different products and services, right? But again, I I lost momentum in my opinion because we should have gotten to the once a week or twice a week educational format where our customer we're bringing customers from across the country because we've got so much differentiation in our industry it's not even close, right? But yet, too often still we're commoditized, right? Because we're not educating on why the why there's more value in using us, right? Yeah. So, you know, you make me think about that a lot. If we did the right data research, right, we could probably probably pull out what 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 really is the the X factor or the differentiators. And because sometimes we think they're cool. Customer doesn't think doesn't, doesn't find its value maybe, right? But your research could tell you that, right? That's the that's that's getting in the momentum mindset. That's yeah. really um, and getting your team, first you've got to start with your team to believe it. And then you can get, if, because if they don't believe it, your customers will never believe it. Um, yes. and, and, and so start, you know, we are special. We do things differently. People um, are, are, when we when they hire us, they don't know how good they have it. You know, like you gotta, that has to be in the, um, in the culture to be in the momentum mindset. Sure. And, uh, and I, like I, I, I constantly, um, I'm constantly fighting that. I, you want to hear um, a funny trick I've used now that it's working so well? Love to. Um, so we were, this Zoom culture is, um, for many of us, takes away the best part of our business, which is our culture and being together. And, um, and I was really struggling with how do you maintain a culture that's remote? And I tried every trick possible to do it and i was like okay who is the best who is the best at connecting with audience and i realized it's comedians comedians connect with their audience they um they can make you laugh they can make you um think but they're really good so i actually hired a a, a comedian and now our culture of meetings are uh, lessons on how all the staff can become stand-up comedians 
And we, <laughs> we, we do an hour and a half a week with somebody from Second City, actually. Uh, but no, what I'm saying is using stand-up comedians, they're used to interacting with audiences. They um, In Zoom, you're forced to read the room by, by looking at them, and you can get all these blank stares. Comedians know how to deal with dead time. They can fill it. They can engage. If a joke isn't working, they can plow through it without being thrown off. And so this comedian has given um, so much confidence and hope to our team and really put them in the momentum mindset. They feel different, they act different, our revenue is soaring. It has been a wonderful uh, change and just because I wanted to shake up the culture. That's cool. So cool. That's really neat. Um, okay, so when so you, you have a kind of a comedian coach that's on your staff and that's uh, teaching people how to communicate yeah, through, through fun. He's from Second City. I mean, she's a, she's an improv person from Second City, and it's a tough time for them because all their productions are shut down, their shows are shut down. So they're she's she's incredibly entrepreneurial, and I got to tell you, nobody misses the comedian show. No meetings get scheduled during the, when the comedian coaches on. Uh, nobody's distracted. <laughs> no one's looking at their phone. It's it's like a fun uh, uh, workout, a real adrenaline lift for um, for the whole team. It, it's at four o'clock today and everybody's preparing for it right now. They're, they've been thinking about it all week. That's fun. That's a lot of fun. And you know, I think that's you know, the, the key to success in, in communication sales really is connecting, right? And boy, yeah. how, how cool is it when you connect with a little humor, right? And, and just some, you know, fun loving humor and, and stuff like that compared to otherwise. Yeah, and it, um, it also, it takes away their inhibitions. Like Zoom is very tough. You and I have never met. We have a we have a great connection, but it's challenging. Like, think about it, if we were together in person, how much better it would be. You know, <laughs> absolutely. Like, the body language and the vibe, and and comedians yep. have, have taught them to overcome that. That's really cool. I love that. That's what a, what a neat uh, way to differentiate again and 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 you know get through a tough time. And I mean, would you, do you foresee, you know, going back to kind of normal in the next months or, you know, as, as things uh, dissipate or what, what's your thought? Well, I, I think there's, there's no such thing as normal and there never was, but I, do I True. see a time, do I see a time in the future where uh, we'll get uh, some sort of in-person culture back hundred percent, but I think we're going to work and I think we're going to go to school uh, and we're going to travel differently, not, not better or worse, just different. And um, I don't mind wearing a mask on an airplane. I wish I would have done it before. I wouldn't have gotten so many colds when I was, when I was, when I was flying all over. So things will change, but in a, in a nice, in a way that I think we're getting, we're getting onto the future faster. Um, direct to customer has never been better. Um, direct to voter has never, like, we don't need all these intermediaries to be in between us and the outcome and that's and that's really what's happening true i agree yeah it's a different world but to embrace the different world and uh, you know take what's best from 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 the past and bring it bring it to the future and take what's best of the future and and, and embrace it like people say um uh you know it accelerated change by two or three years and i'm like Thank goodness. Like, why, why was it going to take two or three years for people to realize that we didn't need these huge department stores with so much inventory that we needed uh, a few showrooms and they could mail it to us? Why, uh, you know, um, 
why does it uh, um, uh, why why do we realize that we you know we need a few movie theaters but we're going to watch a lot of the we're happy to watch the vast majority of movies at home on Netflix like it's the change is good and it meets the market demand yeah the change is good it's just i, I think if it's if it's um probably if it's known with more, you know, if it, it, because the impact of it being immediate, right. A yeah. loss of jobs, a loss of family, oh. you know, family confidence and, you know, uh, paying, you know, the ability to pay your bills. So many people are yeah. struggling, right. That's, that's the tough part of it all. Right. I mean, change is going to happen. We know that, but culture, cultural change is uh, shifting that fast. It is like detrimental to many. Well, that's, I mean, that's to, to me and um, some of my, most of your friends and clients are in the restaurant business, um, and, and and they've been devastated. Um, and 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 you know what's gone on for so long certainly isn't fair. But they will come out stronger, and um, and they will come out more resilient. And it's accelerated some other parts of their business. So again, I'm not judging. Um, I'm not judging and I'm certainly very sympathetic to what's happened. Yeah, but yeah. this idea of incrementalism is done. If you're an incrementalist, you're out of a job. It's not going to work. You've got to have that moonshot. You've got to have that heightened sense of immediacy. Um, and I think it, it forces all of us to take nothing for granted. I don't know what you were thinking about your business in February of 2020, but I certainly didn't see that my whole business would come crashing down and basically shut off for uh, six weeks. And that my whole, I remember my whole staff leaving the office uh, and I thought that they'd be back by Easter and they're still not back. Yeah, no, you're right. No, none of us predicted this, right? Now, now we have to deal with it. And, it, and you know, that's, uh, you know, part of success is, you know, how, you know, how, uh, uh, how strong are you to adver adversity, right? Cause we can get right. through adversity and somebody else can't, you know, you're going to, you're going to be a, you're going to be a survivor and hopefully and, and actually with less competition for a little while until they catch up. And so the faster you can, you can change, right. The better. Um, but boy, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a confusing thing, right? What, what was necessary? What wasn't, we'll be, we'll be second guessing this for decades, right? What was the um, right thing to do? What was the wrong thing to do? All the other things. Right. But, uh, yeah. yeah. So when, when you when, when you think of the um, when you think of the uh, you know the politics driving business, so I, you know I, I I've I've been kind of engaged in the political world for since I I had a major uh, union fight for some period of time in the Chicago area, and I was really mad at the unions. I was mad at the you know what what went on with my own fight selfishly. Right. But I'd studied what, what's gone on in Illinois politics before that time. And that's when I started getting engaged and, and, and kind of understanding more about the political world. But when, when I look at, you know, a lot of my friends don't, don't bring, don't want to get involved in politics at all. They're businessmen, they're business women, and they yeah. don't want anything to do with politics. And so my, my thing to them is always, Hey man, I didn't have anything to do with politics either until I was 38, 39 years old. But once, once I, you know, understood the challenges in business that could occur if you don't understand with the drivers what politics might drive, whether, whether right. it be labor law, whether it be litigation, whatever. Um, boy, when I didn't understand what I didn't understand, I didn't realize how how big of a problem it was in my state. I've right. gotten engaged, right? So I believe that business somehow, in my opinion, to understand, you know, you know how to how to drive your business for the future, you should kind of understand what's going on politically in your world. Um, because otherwise you're going to be shocked, you know, it's, um, I mean, first of all, thank goodness there's people like you. And second of all, um, a hundred, um, 
hundred percent. You you need to, if you don't think politics affects your business, you're just not paying attention because yeah. uh, uh, politics is is everywhere, and it doesn't have to be direct regulation that's going to affect your business. Although it might happen. Um, look, starting my business was a major pain. I can't believe the red tape for an entrepreneur to start a business. Um, mm-hmm. You have to have resources. You have to have funding. You better know the situation, or you'll get knocked out before you begin. And 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 so, um, I hope one of the things you do is streamline it so entrepreneurs can get in the game without all these regulations. So you're exactly right. So one of, one of my things is that I, I've been involved in, in national politics a little bit to understand what other you know governors have done to do good things to, to make their states more streamlined for entrepreneurs, right? So my yeah. and my thing is all about job creation because I love entrepreneurship, right? Right. And and so for me, it is a lot a big part of of building a a place where business wants to be isn't just the cost of taxation, the cost of regulation. It's the it's it's the cost of speed speed to get things done, right? And or, or slowness to get things done because speed doesn't cost you a lot, right? Yeah. And so when you look at the best states in the country, it doesn't take you that long. You know they, they've got a streamlined process. Doesn't take you that long to get a permit to, to to develop to develop a piece of property, right? Right. It, and and they're, they're not miss they're not skipping the good ones aren't skipping anything. It's not like they're not doing their 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 uh, environmentals, right? They're, they're right. doing it. They just have a streamlined way to get things done. And, and again, how do you do that in a, in a, in a state that takes so long is, is going to be a, a challenge, but I, I'm confident that it can be done. It's been done all over. Right. But yeah. it, you know, so there's so many different things that, that either embrace jobs and job creation in, right. a, in a state or a city and so many things that push it away and say, yeah, we just don't want you here. You can go, you know, go to the, 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 you know, next state over and next city over, and you're going to find much lower costs, way more efficiency, right? I mean, they don't say it that way, but that's the case. Look what's, happening. Look what's happening in New York. Uh, every, everybody's just leaving. Um, they're all going to Florida. They, you know, they're, uh, they, once New York is not a special cultural uh, place or it doesn't have uniqueness, then it's just expensive and dirty and uh, highly taxed and you can leave. And they do. And, well, um, and they're going to yeah. realize that. Yeah, Mike, and we're we're actually leaving on a per capita basis. We're we're losing more than New York. Um, and you, and, I thought New York's number we're number one in like total numbers, right? Yeah, yeah, number one in total numbers. California's number two, I think, and then we're like number three. But but population wise, we only got we've only got twelve million people. You guys got you know what double that probably, or maybe eighteen yeah. million, twenty million. And California's got. California's up higher than that, even right. So, either way, right. So, so per capita, we're we're kicking your ass, dude. So don't don't think that you guys I, are leaving. But but I would have come back to Chicago. My wife my wife didn't like the winters, but I would have. She's from Argentina, but I would have come back. You would have put me in that number. Yeah. So my and my thing is, uh, you know, we I think it's an opportunity when we're when we're having when we're that bad right now. We're pushing people away that that blatantly, right? I believe the opportunity is bigger than ever to turn it around. I mean, I'm optimistic, right? That when, when I see a business that's got, you know, again, I, I, I start businesses, I've, you know, invested in a few businesses that were older businesses and I've got businesses that are, are foundationally, we are strong. And then we got away from, you know, uh, uh, you know, being on our toes and competing hard. Right. And, and, and basically when you look at a place like Illinois, all like a business, right. We, Illinois has great infrastructure. We've got great natural resources, education. You know, we have great, great education, uh, uh, you know, uh, universities and, and, and our school system is pretty solid. It was solid, we, you know, but it's all there still, right? It right. won't be there in 10 years from now, but it's still there. 
And so when you look at the opportunity, I mean, the biggest freshwater, uh, you know, best, best freshwater in the world, right? Some of the best freshwater in the world. Uh, or, you know, we've got oil underneath our ground. We've got coal. We've got all these things. We've got, got natural gas. Um, we've got the biggest, you know, nuclear uh, uh, plants, right? So all these things mean natural resources strong, infrastructure strong, and we're in the middle of the greatest country in the world. That, that's opportunity, right? When we're, when, we're the, when we're last at everything, now it's time to, to say, okay, let's, let's have that moonshot of how we become first in the middle of the country instead of worst. Right, let me help you. So, uh, I'm on board. Yeah. You're all right. Awesome. Awesome. So, um, so what we, what we like to do is, uh, you know, go over, uh, it, it, tell, tell me, hey, tell me your family quick. How many kids you got? You got two. Uh, you two told kids, me, I think we talked earlier. A kid, uh, a daughter who's in law school and a son who's in business school and, uh, and a wife who does uh, political consulting in Latin America. All right. And then, uh, and what's, uh, what's, what's your favorite thing to do with your with family and all that? It looks like you're a skier. What else? Or tell uh, tell well, me about skiing or anything else. Our family, um, we're a sporting family. So we like to uh, ski. We like to golf. Um, we like to hike. And we like to play tennis. Of all things that I learned as an adult. So growing up in Chicago, um, I went to, you know, to the Oak Street Beach and I played soccer. But all these other sports, as as when my wife and I got married, we decided we wanted to do things together. And so we found sports that we could do as a family and we grew up doing them. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah, we're the same way. And, and, and uh, same thing. I, I learned to really ski well after, you know, when I'm in my late 20s, early 30s yeah. and all that. And golf, I didn't play until I was in my mid 30s. So in my family, you know, same way, we, you know, we did a bunch of things so that we would stay closer as a family. And, and it's yeah. been awesome, right? Um, but, uh, you're a golfer. You got to, when you come to Chicago, you got a place to play. Now we, we own a great golf club called bull Valley and oh, it's cool. one of the best in the, I'm telling you right now, Mike, one of the best in the country. You're not going to have so. to twist my arm when, 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 you know, let's, I think we need the snow to melt. Right. And then I'm in. <laughs> yeah. We, you know, we've got orange balls we use, but no, actually, <laughs> but, but when the snow melts, you know, seven months out of the year, it's an amazing golf destination. So if you ever want to come and play, bring some friends and come and play a great course. Yeah. You're always invited. I shot my um, low round in uh, Chicago. I shot a 77, which is I've never broken 80. Time. Wow. Where's that at? I, I don't remember the name of the course. It's built on a, um, uh, a landfill. It's on the, it's on the uh, West, like near Naperville sort of. Um, I can't remember uh, what the name is, but it's, it's, yeah. it's a well-known sort of public course. Yeah. Yeah. Um, where would that I, be? I remember the defining feature is it didn't have a lot of bunkers. So like if I, if I was off the green, I wasn't in that much trouble. Okay. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think what course that'd be, but there's been a bunch of them on landfills, but uh, it's, yeah, so our, it's West out there. Um, I don't know. Yeah. I th I'm thinking of one out there. I just can't name it. Right. But uh, so our, our course is number 30th, toughest, uh, most challenging golf course in the country. Oh um, right. Bull Valley, Bull Valley. Bull Valley. Okay. It's, uh, it's, it's, com it's comparable <laughs> to Butler, Butler It's compared to Butler. Holy National. Shit. Oh my God. Okay. It was, built, it was built, it was built to rival Butler and they did a great job. I mean, it's just uh, long, it's just wait. difficult, <laughs> but, but it's actually probably even more beautiful than Butler's a beautiful course, probably more beautiful. And, than Butler. And where is it at? So, so it's in Woodstock, Illinois. It was a okay, very okay. private golf course that, that my wife and I invested in, bought in, uh, in 2011. And uh, we, we just re revitalized it and brought it back to life. And it's just 
awesome. I mean, it, 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 you know, last year was definitely the best condition year ever for the course in 30 yeah. some years. And, and so it's really fun, fun to be part I, of. I am a hundred percent in hundred percent. in. Okay. So figure out who we want to bring up. I'll, I get a place to stay up here, whatever, you, whatever you need, it'll be a blast. And then I can sponge off you too and learn more from you. Yeah. But, that, uh, that's a deal. We can do a, we'll do a consulting session and then we'll play around. Awesome. And, and then, yeah, and then you could turn, you can actually get my leaders to, to want to hire you then too. We'll do a, we'll do a pitch. We'll do a consult and we'll do a round. I and love it. And we actually do that stuff. Then we'll need some cold alcoholic beverages afterwards though. That's gotta be part of no, it. That's no problem. We're all set up for that too. So that's not a big deal. <laughs> and uh, okay. So at the end of, the, end of these, uh, these podcasts, number one, you're awesome. And, and really your story is cool as heck. And, and uh, what a neat uh, thing to go, you know, politics and business. And I'm trying to figure out, I've been in business all my life. Now I'm trying to jump into the political world to say, how the heck do I do this? Right. And, yeah. and, and I'm probably going to scratch my head and said, why am I, why the heck am I doing this? But I, I believe that, that there's a, Illinois is a great place in the middle of the country that should be the best state, best state in the country. And, and uh, I believe the opportunity is incredible. So, so I, I want to take what I've learned in business and, and uh, you know, basically serving, serving the, my customers, serving people and, and building a value proposition, say, why can't we build it in Illinois? And uh, so, so that's why I'm doing it. But um, so I, so I love the fact that you, you know, you went from the other side to business and, I, yeah. and, uh, and all that. And I, and I've been told many times, just, you know, Gary, say the Kingmaker, don't worry about being the King. And I get that. And I would rather, no, be, it's, I would rather. It's the opposite. You, it's, you, you've achieved what you need to achieve. Here's the, the last piece of advice I'll give you. They're all going to tell you not to do it. They're all going to tell you you're going to lose. They're going to say you're going to embarrass yourself. Someone's going to, when, when you, when you have it in your heart, just like when business, they tell you it's not going to be successful to do something else. When you have it in your heart, that's what voters respect the most. Just don't ever, never a moment of self-doubt in politics because the second you do that, you lose. Yeah, no, I have no doubt. I mean, I have no doubt that I'm, that, I, that I'm, there's, there's uh, for me, for me, I think uh, it's kind of a little bit of a calling, right? I, I, my yeah. life has turned in a lot of ways in the last few years and, and uh, my businesses, my son and our teammates do a great job running them. Uh, they could use me selling probably, but otherwise they don't really need me. Um, yeah. So it's, it's probably time, you know, without a wife at my side that, you know, that, that uh, would probably be crushed by anything they say negative about me. Right. Um, it makes it a lot easier. I can, I can handle a lot. Right. And uh, cause I'll, I'll be, I'll have to be ready to probably, but either way, yeah, I, I appreciate that. I agree with you. So Chris, at the end, uh, I want Chris to go over the, the, uh, the nuggets uh, of, uh, success and, and, and some of the messaging that you threw at us. Cause I, there's a ton, man. I don't know how oh, Chris yeah. is going to be able to get all this laid out, but, but I, um, I, I learned so much listening to listen to Mike. It's incredible. So, so normally uh, the, the guests aren't quite as uh, filled with awesome info as you Mike. So I, I get more opportunities to ask questions, but um, you, you just kept Gary going. So uh, if I, if I could ask one question before, I uh, dive into the takeaways. Um, it would be um, what political moonshots could capture the most momentum right now, in your opinion? I mean, the number, the, the guy got elected on it. Uh, Joe Biden got elected on uh, the moonshot of, of, of ending COVID and, yeah. and, 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 and really getting the country back on its feet. He, he basically said, I'm not Trump and I'm going to end COVID. And, and, and that and that and that is the moonshot. Those two moonshots actually have propelled us forward. And it's it's so um, 
it's 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 so simple and yet it's 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 what is motivating everybody the number one thing that americans want is they want their freedom back and we can't get our freedom back until until uh covid is uh uh it, it doesn't have to be eradicated but it has to be under control and it's not under control now mm-hmm. awesome um, I, I don't think of, yeah. i don't even think americans have a moonshot that goes past that <laughs> like just getting their kids back in school getting back to work getting their income uh more predictable i don't i don't think americans are thinking bigger but as business people we know that that's all going to happen so we've got to think bigger mm-hmm. absolutely that's awesome I'm just going to charge my phone. Hold on. I'm just going to grab my phone. Yeah. Um, cool. Well, I, I can dive into the, the takeaways. Um, and there were a lot. I, I could probably uh, talk for the next 20 minutes on, on all the great stuff you shared with us today, Mike. Um, uh, first of all, don't, don't be afraid of big money in politics. Direct to voter is, is more powerful. So, you know, don't, don't worry if you're the, if you're the short stack going against the big money. Earn, yeah, earn media is going to get you there. You know, I mean, yeah. you still need money, but you don't need, you know, you don't need, it wasn't like before where you had to buy all this TV advertising. Now you're able to mobilize um, much more using digital. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. That's really inspiring. Um, politics teaches you how to lose because you'll lose far more than you win. Yeah. I think that's, that'll be super valuable to keep in mind for any political campaigns um in in business the power is in yes uh in politics all the power is in no yeah that's i'm that's an awesome perspective i never i never realized that but that's super true um the the five disruptors of momentum um disruption innovation polarization sticky issues um social impact yeah that's that's really exciting um and and i'm i'm definitely gonna uh, pick up your book after yeah. this. Um, incrementalists are done. Uh, you need to aim for moonshots to make it in politics. That I feel like that's that's true in business and and even art. I would say that's true in filmmaking. That's true. Um, you know, they they make a lot of money on um, doing sequels. But, yeah. <laughs> but you but so like you know like there is there is money in sequels like a proven formula does work, but you got to have that breakout success. Yeah. Well, it seems like even the sequels are like you know monumentally bigger than the, oh the one God. before it. You know. Yeah. Look what's happening with all those Avengers and stuff. Like, yeah. I mean the the second Avengers made a hundred million more opening weekend than or the because it has momentum. Avengers. Yeah. It's crazy. Um, in, in business, some customers are worth more in politics. Each person is worth one vote, which is why yeah. you have to polarize. <laughs> yeah. So true. Um, so w- would you say that, uh, like coronavirus is, is the biggest thing to, to polarize on right now, or is there another issue that no, we're, 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 no, we're completely united on that. Okay. That's the strange, that's, um, that's the strangest part of Trump, whether I, I, I this is my, analytics not my ideology but the whole country was sort of united that covid was a problem and 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 then instead of sort of working that to his advantage he tried to polarize us on it and i think he would have easily been elected to a second term 
if you didn't try to polarize off of COVID, if you would have tried to unite off of COVID. It, 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 it's, it's, I think that's how we're going to look back at this period. That, And it, it's not that he had to do, uh, it's not masking, it's nothing like that. It's just, it's instead of using it as a way to divide us, he could have united us. It's us versus COVID. And somehow it just... He, he a little tone deaf on the issue. It was it was. I mean, I'm not talking about his whole presidency, but that you asked about that issue was any other politician would have done it a different way. Mm-hmm. Like um, in, in in matters of crisis, like George Bush. Like think about all these people who they're on different sides. They they united on issues that were existential threats to the to the country. Mm-hmm. Yeah, George George Bush uh, won the second term on on how he handled 9 11. Yeah, that's so, so, and again, I'm not, again, I don't want, it's my analytics, not my ideology. Yeah. But it, it's, it's, this was a, the, the economy was humming. So many things were going in the right direction. Um, the, the handling of COVID is just a head scratcher. Mm-hmm. Talk to me about it. If, if, if it fits into your show, it's just, you don't, you got to be, he's going into politics. So you got to be careful. Yeah, yeah. Well, I just, I find that, you know, your, your perspective is, is so informed with, with data and experience that, you know, that, that's not, yeah. from especially place. when you're, especially when you're usually consulting the, you know, the left and, and you're right. consulting, you're talking about the right. I think that's pretty cool. That's pretty, okay. Just, that, find, just t- cool. tell me how you're going to use it. I just want to make sure, I, I want to make sure that it's, I, it's I, analytics, not ideology. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Trump is just, he's so, he's polarizing in a way, um, in a way that you can't have a rational discussion with people because they're not rational about this subject. They can't get past their emotions. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. And so I just gave up. I mean, I, I stopped going, I used to go on Fox and talk about it. And then the people just, they have sort of this uh, emotional reaction to Trump and they can't get past it. I know. Believe me, believe me, Mike, I have a lot of friends that are center right that would, that would, would that had no problem with most of his policies. Right. They could not could not stand them so much. They they would normally vote for him if they didn't have the, the picture of him or his or his uh, his voice in their ear, right? Yeah. If they just looked at his policy, never heard him talk. They would say, "Okay, this is my guy," because he's yeah. he's getting stuff done in the business world. But so many of them would not vote for him, and they and they, and they, they use the word tone all the time. I yeah. can't stand his tone. I can't stand his tone. I said, and I would always say, "I get it, man. I get it." You know, but but if you're an entrepreneur, it's hard to 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 you know to. Um, not like the results, right? So, the, the, the results were off. The, February of 2020, unemployment numbers were lowest, historic lows for uh, African Americans, for Hispanics. The stock market was humming. I mean, uh, the, the trade war with China looked like it was a good move, like after, um, uh, you know, so yeah, it's Charlottesville, this riot, like there's so many of these things that just went just off. Stop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. Cool. Okay, so what else you got there, Christopher? Yeah, um, I, I loved your comment on how all negative campaigns will lose, like you know, complaining or saying, "Oh, woe Can't is whine. us as a country." Yeah. Um, Americans are optimistic. You can you can never lose the optimism. Right? I, that's yeah. uh, all of these things that that you shared. Like, you know, after hearing them, like. That's so incredibly obvious, but I, I never like connected those dots. Yeah. <laughs> so that, thank you for connecting all these dots. Um, and, and politics is all about gaining momentum at the right time. Yeah. Um, that, I, I, 
to me that that makes sense like hearing you say that it makes sense why you would go into sports because i feel like you know the the team that wins the world series is the team that got the most momentum going into the playoffs yeah that's that's why that's why you just have to get in it, it all starts over yeah and i mean like think about how many teams get knocked out in the uh in the first round and like crazy shit how can tom brady be playing in the super bowl <laughs> Like, that makes no sense at all. I'm from Tampa the Buccaneers. The Bears beat that team. Yeah. <laughs> 40, what is he, 43 now, right? Yeah. Like, but they used to say how Belichick was like the genius, but who's in the Super Bowl? Yeah. Wow. Who, who didn't even you know? Like, playoffs. wait a minute. Wait a minute. Who's the, who, was the, who was the true architect of that uh, Patriots team? Because Tampa was uh, the level of the Bears, really. Think about it. Tampa's oh, an average team. Took yeah. an average team and made them great. Yeah, and 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 but, but he's got uh, uh, Gronkowski with him. Like, give mm-hmm. me a break. Like, yeah. I, I hate I'm the still, Patriots. And I hate him more. Now I'm now. still, I'm still, I'm still probably betting on Kansas City. I like uh, this kid oh. and his solid team that he's around and everything else. You know. Can you believe he could have been a bear? Yeah, I know. I know. Sickening. 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 <laughs> Don't remind me. A friend of mine. A friend of mine is his quarterback coach. His court, his private quarterback coach, and he's also a private quarterback coach to Mitch Trubisky, and he loves yeah. Mitch. And he's also uh, Garoppolo's too, right? Right. And he loves he he loves Mitch. He thinks Mitch could be a, a top, you know, six or seven quarterback in the NFL. Um, he's got the right head on his shoulders, right? And he's got the right athleticism, but he's not quite there, right? Anyway, and then uh, and then he says, this kid is amazing. This kid, after getting that huge contract, was more focused than he was before, not less. He was he, he was showing up earlier. He's he's dragging more of his teammates out for early morning, uh, you know, practices that, right. that weren't required, right? And so, he, so this friend of mine says, this kid is only going to get better. It's crazy. He, he's got all the money in the world now. He's only going to get better. And he said, that's what you don't see in the NFL or any sports. Usually, you know, they might maintain or whatever. Right. But they're not going to focus on, on being, you know, they're not going to focus, you know, work harder, focus on being the greatest quite as, quite as much when they get that big contract, the biggest contract of all time in the NFL. Right. Crazy. It seems like Mitch is intellectually slow. Like I'm not questioning how smart he is, but he's reading the defenses seems to really give him trouble. Yes. Uh, you know, you're and again, but I, what I love about him is, you know, you and I, and uh, you know, we're and Chris here, so you know, we hear from leaders. We're around people that have leadership mindsets yeah. that get through tough times because they have that head on their shoulders that, that leads other people. He's got that. Yeah. He's got other guys respect him. They love him. Right. right. He's, he blames himself. Doesn't blame anybody else. Always takes full responsibility, even when it's not his. Right. Yeah. That's what a leader does. So he's got all that, that we haven't seen in Chicago for a long time. Now we just needs it. Like you're saying, Learn how to read the defenses better, and, and the defense. Yeah, so no, no, you're right. No, no sacks and no interceptions. So we got golf and the Bears next year. I want to see that. Both. I got you know. I got season tickets for the Bears, so I'm I'm there in the tailgate with you. Like I just couldn't yeah. use them this year. I've had them. I've had the tickets twenty five years. I've got. Um, I, I'm in. I'm in the uh, media because I didn't. I didn't want to get wet at games, so I got the second level that has the media cover over, so I could go in any conditions. We're similar. We're on the. Yeah, we're similar. We have a overhang. Just, just a. We're like two, two rows back from where you get wet. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. I no. didn't want to. I didn't want to fly in from New York and get soaked at a game. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, we've got that, and we got tailgates. Or you got tailgates. We've got that, and we have. Uh, tailgate. I'm in. 
No, we have end zone seats too. We have uh, six end zone oh. seats. So those are the ones you want to go out at, in the weather. That's where we go for the, you know, for the, for the weather. And that's fun too. So, yeah. Oh, so, so you're there. Cool. Okay. With up the, the one up top in the, with, uh, like in the inside. No, no, mine aren't too bad. Mine aren't bad. Mine are mid range in the uh, South end zone. So they're not bad. Right. They're, they're, they're actually really good seats. Cause there's three on top of three. Nobody right. walks in front of you. Cause we're up against kind of the oh, wall. Great. Perfect. Oh, cool. Yeah. Chris, what else you got from Mike? Yeah, I got a, I got a couple more awesome uh, insights. Uh, this is super relevant to our current state of business. Um, how do you maintain a culture that's remote? Uh, use comedians. Yeah, comedy. Comedy. Uh, uh, extra bonus points if they're from Second City or another uh, yeah. Chicago comedy institution. Um, what else? And then uh, last... Lastly, I have, um, you can never have a moment of self-doubt in politics or you'll lose. hundred percent. They sniff it out. If, yeah. you, if you hesitate in politics, you're gone. Trump, Trump did an amazing job leveling that field. Um, and, and, and so did Biden. And I, you know, um, like when Elizabeth Warren took out Bloomberg, like you, if you, if you just blink, you're gone. Like they just wipe you out. And then, in Chicago, in, in Illinois, you'll, it'll be a little bit easier, but like think about when Obama won his Senate seat and all those characters kept dropping off because all the Republicans got in trouble, right? There were two, one, one was at the, what, his wife, the swinger. Like I remember there's two, there's, there were two yeah. guys. Yep. Just, just yeah, great people too. Uh, Ryan was that one and then yeah. uh, somebody else, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, good, good people that had a, that had a bigger, way bigger shot than Obama winning Obama that. Obama was right? an accidental senator. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, he was. He was. <laughs> but uh, yeah, you just never know. But uh, either way, so my so my thing is, I get a lot, I get tons of stuff out of it. You know, follow up everything Chris said because I agree with everything Chris said. Uh, you know, great, cool. great uh, nuggets of, of stuff that we can take from this. Anybody can. Anybody in business, politics can take a lot. Of, and I and I love the fact that so many things do correlate, right, from one to the other. I I tell people that, and they say, ah. Oh, Raybine, you're a business guy. You don't belong in politics. I think there's a lot of things that correlate, you know, and I think there's a lot of solutions that, that we have to figure out in business for our customers. And, and, and I, and I believe the customer, the taxpayer isn't being served well. Right. And so I think there's an opportunity when I, when I see that in business, that's an opportunity for business. I think in politics, it's, there's an opportunity right now to serve taxpayers better than ever before in the state of Illinois. And right. it will result in good things happening. That's my opinion. Right. So I love that you said, Hey, Go ahead. If you're confident, you're, 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 you know what I mean? Doubt in your head, go after it. Cause that's kind of who I am right now. So polarization, I love the polarization. I've never, I've never, you know, I've never said it that way, but in our businesses, you know, it's just kind of the same thing. And I think in politics too, as you said, right, you have to identify who you are, who you can serve the best and, and then talk to them. And, yeah. and if there's customers that you'll never be able to do business with, and guess what? In politics, as much as I want, I want to win everybody over. I don't care how far left or right you are. I want to win everybody over, right? Yeah. But it's not probably possible. So how much time do you waste trying to, 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 to take the whole spectrum when really, if you're, you're really, this is your, your niche, this is where you're strong, go after them and win them all over and you're going to win. Right. Yeah. Kind of like in business, so where we have to focus on the customers that we perform the best for, that we can serve the best. So yeah. I love the polarization thing. I'm going to think about that a lot. Um, 
I, I just appreciate you, dude. You're, I mean, you're, everything you've been through and, and, and your, your, your uh, wisdom is, is so, is going to be so uh, valuable to anybody that listens to this podcast. And that's our goal. Our goal is to get, get people and there's you know, young and old. I mean, I've got friends of mine that are, they're our age, my age, yeah. your age that don't jump into, into entrepreneurship until they're our age. Right. Yeah. And, and, and they become very successful with the wisdom they've gained. And, and so this podcast is really for people like you and I that say, Hey man, I want to go start something and, and listen to, to listen to these podcasts to get some nuggets like, like they will you. And then the, the young people that, you know, that are, they're starting their careers, you know, great opportunity for young people, right. To just jump into something right away while they don't have a lot of responsibilities, right. Where they can, they, they, they can, they can live at home maybe still. Right. So yeah, I, then, I love then, it. I'm, I'm anxious yeah. to, I'm anxious to hear it and, uh, and to connect with you, um, probably late spring or early summer and, uh, tee it up. Let's do that because let's then let's get you in front of our team. Like I said, in front of all our leaders, we'll do a seminar because I, I I guarantee you there's there's some of my leaders will want to to look into using you. So cool. All right, brother. Hey, awesome meeting you. Awesome talking to you. I can't wait to see you in person after the COVID stuff is done and we're golfing together on a great golf course right. down here at Woodstock. This was wonderful. Thank you. I really appreciate it. Thanks, Mike, for your time. Bye, You're awesome. Have a, Have a spectacular day. Bye. 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 Bye now. If you enjoy this show, please share with anyone else you think will find value here. And please go to our website, ditchdiggerceo.com for show notes, links, video clips, and more nuggets of entrepreneurial wisdom. Don't forget to follow me on social media at ditchdiggerceo and at Gary Rabine. If you listen to our show and want to become more successful, you will become more successful. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week. Lord, I was called Ditch Digger Aiming for a living and doing the best I can Discovered entrepreneurship, scaling business plans Then I became the CEO man We're blessed to build a business in America Where soldiers fight for our freedom every day Dad's work ethic was taught from the seat of a gravel truck Rolling down Highway 31 Lord, I was called Ditch Digger Man Aiming for a living and doing the best I can Discovered entrepreneurship, scaling business plans then I became the CEO man.